I want to go over some attributes of God tonight. And again, it's nothing new, and, and you've got to really watch your sources of where you study things, because so many people make accusations to God of who He is, and they're not necessarily true. We're going to go through biblical things, and it's going to show you some verses, and we're going to look at these verses. I've got some fill-in-the-blanks you'll have to put in there, and you make sure you put this in a notebook. You had the last page, last time we went through this, we had, a, a I think... A, front and back page, and I just want you to get these, and I'm going to give you the verses as we go. Don't work ahead, okay? Don't try to find the verse before I give you the verse, okay? But we went over these, actually, these nine aspects of it, and we went over them really quick on our last lesson, and I want you to get this. Let me say this. We will never fully understand who God is. Just you won't. Because He's infinite and we're not. And, and, and I'm so thankful that his ways are not my ways, right? Because if his ways were your ways, what would be changed? A lot of things would be changed. And so I want you to see these things. I want you to look at these. I'm going to add some things to them and, and just make you start thinking about these. We're going to look at the imminent attributes of God. The first, first two deal with in relation to spirituality, and I gave you these again, like I said last week, but I'm going to give you verses that back it up. And I want you to see these verses and, and, and study these verses, okay, as we look at these. The first one, of course, is that his relationship to spirituality, he's life. Aren't you thankful he's life? The first verse in here, and again, we're going to just go through this more of a Bible study, but it says in Jeremiah 10.10, you write, write that down, Jeremiah 10.10, but the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and an everlasting King. At His wrath the earth shall tremble and the nations shall not be able to abide His indignation. Aren't you thankful for that first part where it says, He is a true God and He is a what? Living God. It's a very interesting verse as you study that. Go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. What made, what made him a living soul? God made him a living soul. He breathed into his nostrils and made that. That's who God is. God, God is the sustainer of life. He, he actually made a tree in the garden. What? The tree of life. He knows exactly what we need every step of the way. He is our life. The next verse found in there is 1 John 5, 11. And it says this, and this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. So God Himself, in the spiritual realm of this, He is life. He is the one that sustains life. We, we change, He doesn't. Amen? Have you changed since you were younger? When I graduated from high school, I weighed 185 pounds. My left leg weighs that now, amen? I mean, we change. I mean, it gets where, I never thought I would say this, but sometimes it's a struggle to bend over and pick something up. You know, you go, oh my word. And, and then when I sit in my chair in my office too long, I like to just sit sometimes. Exercise is not the thing. Maybe if that rock is considered, when you're rocking in a chair, it's exercise. But when I get up, it takes me a little while for me to get moving. You know what? Our body is decaying. But God is not. He's still the same that he was during creation and through revelation and before creation and after revelation. He's not going to change. He's life. The next one is this. He's got a personality. 
Oh, by the way, with the life thing, he, he, God cannot stop living. He cannot cease to live. He is a living God. Now you have personality. You say, what does this have to do with it? This is a very important aspect of your spirituality because God is a personal being with personal emotions and characteristics. You say, why is this? this these combine to give God the personage. It makes him, we, we understand. See, Jesus was man, but he was also God. And he had those emotions. How do we know that? Look at what the scriptures say. When Lazarus was there, what did he say? Je what was the shortest verse in the Bible? Jesus wept. Was that an emotion? Of, of course it was. He was mad when he went into the, into the temple. That's anger. That's not necessarily a bad thing. He had these emotions. In fact, one of the biggest things people say is what? That God is love. That's, there's, there's an emotion sometimes equated with love. So we have, he's this, he has his personality. He, uh, uh, and, it, and he also has life. Now let's go to the ones in, t in relationship to time, past, and future. He's self-existence. Now watch this, and I love this verse. And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. Those are always capitalized in your Bible. Why is that? Because God is. And he's self-existence. And it continues to say, and that's just Exodus 3, verse 14. And he said, that, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. When I first, when I first got, became a Christian, I read that. I said, that, I don't understand that. But now I do understand the I am. Because you can put anything behind it. I am this. Anything that correlates with God. Because he is everything. He is our Savior. He is our Redeemer. I like some of the words they use in Psalms. He's my buckler. He's my shield. He's my high tower. I mean, he's my strength. And those all fit in that ramification of I am. Everything you need God to be, he is. Now, sometimes we get in an aspect of trying to make God fit our pattern, and that's not what I'm saying here. I'm saying everything that fits in correlation to what the Bible says, that's who God is. He's self-existent. He is the one that sustains life. He is the one that's in charge of everything. Now, sometimes we try, to put, we try to put him in a box and we cannot do that. Do you realize people say, well, God made space. Well, God is larger than space. You ever thought about that? Uh, and, and, I, and as you study space, you realize how large it really is. They're, they're enamored with what? what? What planet right now? Mars. Oh, they're so, showing us pictures of Mars and all this. That's a, a little speck of dirt, a little speck of dust for God. He's everything with that. And that's a great thing to say. I am. I am. Tell him, tell them that I am sent them, sent you. That's an amazing thing. So when you get in a difficult aspect, you've got I am there. What's the word we also use? I am the, what is, usually comes after that? I am the alpha and I am the omega. What does that mean? I'm the beginning and I'm the end. That's a very good, good attribute of God. We've got to realize this in doctrines with, with God. This is very important. God exists by reason of His nature, not by His will to exist. He cannot take His life, nor can it be taken. God cannot will Himself out of existence. He is what He, capital H, is. Now that seems like that's a lot to, to just soak up, but that's who God is. 
We can't figure out everything about God. His ways are not our ways. He'll send you down a path to make you who you need to be. And He has the best interest for you even when it's problems and trials. Because He knows how to help us. Man, I'm telling you. I'm in in awe sometimes of how God works. You sit there and and some people have told me that there's some, some people that had tests and they come back and say, the tests were negative. When the doctor said everything was going to be terrible. But you know, good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people. That's what he he even writes in the Scriptures. But here he's talking about self-existence. He cannot cease to exist. Aren't you thankful for that? There's no expiration on God. You ever had the privilege of drinking milk that had an expiration date and it was way off? I never realized until the first swallow my mouth's full of it. I checked the bottle now. Amen? You ever been there? And then you get those special deals in the store. Oh, you get the meat half price. You better watch that meat that's half price. Amen? There is a reason it's half price. It's got to do, it's not existing that long. God exists and He's forever past and future. All right, so now let's look at the next one. Not only is He self-existence, but He's in immutability. It's a hard word to say. Immutability. What does that mean? I'll, sh- I'll share that with you in just a second. Um, Psalm 102:27. It says this, But thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. You know, I remember when I hit 30. I remember when I hit 40. I remember when I hit 50. They had a party at my last church when I hit 50. It scared my kids to death. They took a, um, and they were doing it as a joke, but we go in to eat, and they have this salad bar looking thing that we had for the school, and they put a dummy in it. And they put my, my picture on the, on the dummy. And my daughters went in and go, that's not very funny. And they were, at, and why would they do that? I don't know why they would do it. The same reason I sent my sister when she turned 50, black roses, amen? You know, we are not going to exist for, for, for eternity in this body. You know, I hear of people that, that live to be 110, 112. I, I don't want to live that long. I, I, want, I want to see the Lord, and I'm, I'm thankful for having that relationship with Him, but He's never changed. God never looks down at our experiences and our situations and says, oops, how did that happen? Now, we can, we can, in the Bible it even shows that people talk to God and try to, try to sway Him. The story of what? Abraham. When he goes to Sodom and Gomorrah and he, he, he's trying to talk God, he's bartering with God. The first thing was what? How many people? Fifty. If we can only find fifty people that are righteous, you'll spare the city. And he works them all the way down to what? Does that mean God changed? It just shows God's emotion. He loved the people. He wanted them to turn, but, but some people will never turn because they love where their sin is. It is amazing to me the decisions we make and we change. But God doesn't change. He's not going to morph into anything different. That's why I love the Bible. Because the Bible tells you what He is. It's very distinct. Will we understand everything? No. 
I don't understand God's long-suffering to me. I don't. I know he tells me that I'm supposed to be long-suffering, but I don't understand, Denver, why he's so long-suffering for me. He, he doesn't change. He loves me despite my faults. And so when we go at these things, we've got to realize that, hey, he's not going to change. Keep, keep reading the next verse. On the next verse it says, um, this is Malachi 3.6. It says, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. I've got this written. God has always been and is absolutely indestructible and unchangeable. You say, why is that important? Because our foundation won't get weak. It's there. He is our foundation to our faith. And if God changes, guess what? That's not a good thing for us. Because if he changes in one area, what's to say he's going to change in another area? That's why it's very important that you believe this King James Bible is correct. Because if you don't believe the Bible's correct, which part is incorrect? Please show me. It's kind of quiet in here, but I'm telling you, we should have same ends. The Bible's not changed. The Bible's not wrong. This is a foundation for us. So we've got to get back to understanding that He is immutable. He cannot change. He is the same today and he, as He was eternally back and eternally forward. Now see, that's where I have an aspect that I don't understand God. Because I have a start. And I know I'm going to have a finish, but I know what's after that finish is I go to heaven. What I have a problem with is this eternity past. I don't understand that. I can't comprehend that. You say, well, just give it over to the Lord. I do give it over to the Lord. I trust that He knows eternity past. He always was and always will be. But in our little infinite minds, this shows you how powerful God is. That He hasn't changed in the past. He hasn't changed in the future. Thank God for that. The only thing that we have prophetically that we need to really watch is in Revelation because we're just waiting for that call. We're waiting for him, him to call his sa the saved up there. We're waiting to see the seven years of tribulation. We're waiting to see the thousand years. I mean, it just keeps going on. But this is all stuff that's in this Bible. So we've got to understand that he is not going to change. Eternally backwards, eternity forwards, he is immutab immutability. He cannot change. Some religions believe they can change. I was just talking to somebody just tonight. The Mormons think that he can change. They do. Who's ever in charge of the Mormon church, he can rewrite whatever he, whatever he wants. And he can overwrite Brigham Young. He can do all these things that he wants to. That's where, that's where I'm thankful that our Bible does not change. That's where I'm thankful that God doesn't change. I don't have to doubt salvation. I don't have to go, I wonder if I've got this. I, I'm not a free will Baptist. I don't think I can lose my salvation. I know I can't because I know what the Bible says. I'm glad that that's not there. I'm glad that there's other aspects of this that, that I look at and I say, thank God that he hasn't changed. If you've been married very long, you'll realize real quick, your relationship with your husband or wife changes, and they change, amen? I mean, one time I bought my wife some chocolate. She said she didn't like that kind. I thought, I thought she liked that kind all the time. And maybe she was just faking it to give it back to me because I like that chocolate, Amen. <laughs> but we have changed. There's things that I used to, that I used to never eat and I eat now. Right? Have you, is there, we change all the time. Our taste buds change. Our, our height change. Our hair changes. Amen? 
Some of it is just falling out, but it's changing, praise God. Man, I am so thankful that God does not change. That's very important to what the doctrine of God is in the Bible. Now, you're not going to find doctrines 101 in the Bible. It's, it's intermingled amongst everything in that, in that book. And, and when you find these doctrines, you'll say, hey, this doctrine is not going to change in Exodus and change in Leviticus. That's not how it works. The Bible says, look at, these, look at these chapters that we saw. We saw one in Psalms. But thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. But then you see Malachi. This is the very end. And what, is, what did it say in the New Testament? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So through a matter of time when this Bible was written, nothing changed with God. He didn't change his mind, didn't change his beliefs, didn't change his direction. That's very important for Baptists to understand. So now we have life, personality, self-existence, immutability. Now let's get into relationship to perfection. The first word is truth. Why is that important? There's not much truth around. It doesn't take me very long to watch the news to understand, hey, someone's lying here. And, and, and I'm not even talking about politics. I'm talking about the weatherman, amen? amen? That one day, we were supposed to get one to two inches. We woke up with 12. There was a typo. That little dash should not have been in there, amen? <laughs> but you look at all these things and they change. Watch this. If you were to take your phone, go to 15 days out, hit the, hit the, and save that screen, and then go 15 days when the weather hits, it will not be anywhere close. I don't know how these guys receive a paycheck. That's the best job. Meteorologists, you can tell what you want. It doesn't matter. And they always get excited when bad weather's coming because they know more people are going to watch what they're saying. But you know what? When you watch the news on any side of it, there's, it's just not, there's not much truth. We used to think when we put our hand on the Bible and, and pledge that we'd tell the truth that they would tell the truth. Very seldom do you see someone that's committed a, a very heinous crime to say, I did it, I'm sorry. What happens is they might do it, but they have a lawyer that comes in and says, don't do that, you're going to get more time. I, I like it when, when the Bible talks about when you've done something wrong. What did he say to Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus said, saw Jesus and Jesus changed him. He said, man, I'll, I'll give four times back to what, what I've taken. When Jesus steps in, people are honest. You know why? Because Jesus is full of truth. And so is God. God is full of truth. When God said that He made the heavens and the earth and creation in six days then rested. He meant six days and rested. It wasn't like, oh, okay. When he said he parted the Red Sea for, for, for um, Moses, the Red Sea parted. You know what the world tries to do? They try to get us where we, we just can't believe that. If you've watched that show Moses that was, that was made, I watched it to see if it was biblical. At the very end, Pharaoh lived. My Bible says he didn't. My Bible says it wiped out his whole country, his, his whole army that went across there. Now, which one's true? I don't think Hollywood is. God is true. Let's look at some of these verses. Deuteronomy 32, verse 4. He is the what? Rock. He's solid, man. He is there. I love that. He is the rock. His, worth, his work is perfect. For all his ways are judgment a God of truth and without iniquity. Just and right is He. Aren't, 
Aren't you thankful he's that way? I mean, I can read his scriptures and go, it's convicting. You read the scriptures, you go, okay, I should have probably never said that. It's something for somebody to tell you, you know, that's probably the wrong attitude, but it's really bad when you read the scriptures, Bernard, and then you realize, hey, God's telling me that I had the wrong spirit. It's convicting. And here he says, he is the truth. He is the truth. Look at the next verse, Psalm 100, verse 5. Psalm 100, verse 5. And this is very important, too, because it shows you the duration of it. It says, For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth, watch this, to all generations. How many of you, can, can, how many of you know your, your history of your family? You can go back five, five generations. Anybody study their generations and look at Anybody, someone famous, in, and if it's a bad person, don't tell me who it is. All right, don't tell me you're related to Jack the Ripper or something like that or, 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 or some of these other people. But if you trace that back, the Bible says for all these generations, he's been truth. I'm talking about that in Sunday school. When you lie, you have to remember those lies. The problem is if I were to lie, let's say I were to lie to Wayne and then I were to lie to Daniel and I were to lie about the same thing, but I didn't tell the same lie, I'd have to remember what I told him and what I told him. And then I'm praying that they never get in a room and figure out that I've lied to them. But you don't ever have to worry about God lying to you. It's truth. And sometimes that truth hurts. We don't like to hear who we are. Oh, wretched man that I am. Paul, Paul calls himself what? The chiefest among sinners. It was the one that did the most damage. But, you know, when I read Paul, Russ, I, I think he was probably the best Christian to ever live other than Christ himself. And his attitude towards himself, you know why? Because he was basing it upon the truth who God is and who he really was. The Bible also says that God looks on the inward, not the outward. We can play this game, but God is truth. Got this written, all truth is found in God. And in him are no untruths. Listen to this statement. In fact, in, in fact, he is truth, and all truth emerges, emerges from God. So when you look at God's attributes of this, of perfection, he's truth. Let's go to number six. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is what? Now, I will say this to you out here in, in, in the auditorium. That's probably the most misquoted portion of Scripture. Non-Christian, the world would say God is love. And they take it out of context because He is love. And I'll, I'll get to it in just a second. But He's much more than love. And I'll show you the perimeters of His love. It says God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. That's, that's great to know. That's great to know that God loves me, he indwells me, and I can show that love to other people. That's why the Bible says if you have an opportunity to help somebody, especially those of the household of faith, that we need to do it. We need to show love. We don't need to be sour everywhere. Bless God, I'm saved and I'm happy about it. No, we can be happy about it and show people. Some of the most miserable people I've ever met are Christians. 
You know why they're miserable? Because they're not living for God. They don't want God to tell them what to do. They don't want God to say, hey, you've done this wrong. How many of you like to be told you've done wrong? <laughs> Have you ever been pulled over by a police officer? Just admit that you've done something wrong. It'll treat you different. Yeah, I'm sorry. I've done this before. I'm an idiot. I shouldn't have been driving that fast. I didn't realize what the speed was. I, I looked at the street. I looked at the road sign. And then I looked at the speed limit. I got them confused. It said 93 and 35. I was going 93. You ever, you ever been wrong? What about when God corrects you? I mean, what about when he corrects you? Why does God correct you? Because he loves you. That's why he corrects you. Why do you correct your children when they were younger? Because you love them. Barnett, if they do something wrong, you love them, so you got to correct them. I remember my, my girls have done some doozies. My daughter, when she was young, forged my name on her, on her um, report card. In crayon. And I was the principal. And the teacher comes and says, I love my daughter, but you know what? I corrected her. You ever been there? Because God always corrects you. Amen, He does. I mean, people lie all the time. That same daughter. It wasn't Meredith. I'm not going to tell you who it was, but it wasn't Meredith. But the other one was in school, and she's eating in class. You know what we weren't supposed to eat in class? You weren't supposed to have your food. She'd open up her tray of her, of her desk and take one chip out, and she wasn't thinking that it made noise, but she was eating it. And still, I'm the principal. And this teacher was a first-year teacher. Her name was Miss Bernardino. And she said, Megan, are you eating anything? And you know when you get caught, she's in first grade. She said, yes, I am. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have been eating anything. She could have stopped there and everything been okay. But you know what she told the teacher? My mom and dad haven't fed me in a couple weeks, and I'm really hungry. Now, this is the second time that teachers came up to me and said, what do I do about this? I said, I'll take care of this again. I loved her, but I had to correct her. And everything that she did, someone else in our family probably did when they were younger. And it wasn't my wife. All right, so I just want to read this to you because this is probably one of the most misquoted things about God's personality. It is His perfection. He loves us with a perfect love. That is why when he said to Peter, he said, do you love me? He said, do you love me in a phileo love, which is where we get the city Philadelphia, which is a brotherly love. Remember that story? I've, I've preached this before. He asked Peter, he says, do you love me? Do you love me unconditional agape love? Peter turned and said, I love you phileo love like a brother. He in turn says a second time, do you love me unconditional? Peter says, I love you like a brother. The third time Peter starts crying is because what he asked him at the third time, he finally switched to Peter's version. He said, do you love me like a brother? And, G and Peter said, yes, you know, I love you like a brother. And that's why he cried, because we would never love God like he loves us. His love is perfection. Now watch this. God's love is and always has been voluntary, Rational and deliberate. Listen to these words. Voluntary, rational, and deliberate. God's love toward us is manifest through God's, watch this, mercy and grace. Why does God's love have to have mercy and grace? Because we are imperfect people. And He is a perfect God. He cannot look, through us, look to us without mercy and grace. You better thank God for His mercy and grace. 
He looks beyond our, our, our faults. That's why we, 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 pray to, we, we pray in Jesus. Jesus, take these sins away from us, and he becomes our propitiation for sins. And so we've got to look at it that way. Now watch this. His love is not irrespective of its moral quantity, qualities. In other words, it can't go past the moral qualities that God is. See, the world would have you believe that God is love, and so with God's love, there's no hell, but we forget that God has a judgment. There's, there's a moral perimeter that he can't go out of because of his love. He will not go against the Bible. And we want him to go against the Bible. We want him to love us for where we are. Can I tell you something? He loves us where we are, but he wants us to change. It is an error to believe that God is love in the sense that it has no moral boundaries. That's what the world would have you believe. Watch this. God is also a God of anger. He is a God of justice. He is a God of judgment. And watch this last one. This God of love is a God of wrath. And we can be thankful for the God of love as much as we can for the God of wrath. Right? Aren't you thankful for every attribute of Him? I am. So we have, He is the, in, his, in relation to perfection, He is the truth, He is the love. And now the, this next one is, He is holiness. And His holiness is this, Exodus 15, verse 11. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? God is totally absent of all sin and iniquity. The only two things you'll find holy is that Bible and God. And when I say God, I'm referring to what? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You say, why is that important? Because He's never done any iniquity, never sinned. And he was tempted just like us when Christ was on this earth. He was tempted by Satan himself. We can't say that. Oh, Satan inadvertently tempts us, but we've never had Satan show up and, and be there with us and tempt us like he did Christ. And Christ, in turn, used the Scriptures, which is holy, to get, 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 get Satan off his back. So we've got to understand the holiness. Now, the, the, number eight, justice. This is one a lot of people don't want to hear. Psalms 89, verse 14. Psalms 89, verse 14. And I love this verse. It says, Justice and judgment are the habitation of thy throne. Mercy and truth shall go before thy face. Justice and judgment are the habitations of thy throne. That's who he is. That's part of his, his attributes. Isaiah 45, 21. Isaiah 45, 21. Tell ye and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient times? Who hath told it from, the, from that time? Have not I the Lord? And there is no God else beside me, a just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. He's just. And, and, and I wrote this, God can never be, and aren't you thankful for this, God can never be unfair. He can't be unfair. You say, well, that's just, how many of you ever said that before? That's just not fair. That's just not fair. How many of you have been treated at your job? That's just not fair. Someone got a different approach. That's just not fair. God can never be unfair. He also can never be incorrect. Man, I'm, when you study these, you go, thank God he's my God. I mean, he is not, 
He is not going to say something unfair. He's not going to be inconsistent. I heard someone say, you're consistently inconsistent. You ever been there? God's never been there. God has never been there. He is a just God. So we have truth, love, holiness, justice. Let's look at the last one, goodness. Psalm 34, 8. And if you memorize any verses, this is a good verse to memorize. It says this, O taste and see, the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. O taste and see, what does that mean? Man, it's just... Eat him up. I mean, he is, he is good. You ever eaten something that's bad? Best thing you can ever eat is a strawberry. The worst thing you can ever eat is a strawberry. You ever been there? I mean, I've eaten a strawberry that was really good, and then I ate a strawberry I didn't realize the backside was rotten. Man, I'm telling you, God is good. And I'm so thankful for the next psalm. is Psalm 31, verse 19. Oh, how great is thy goodness which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee, which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. Now look at that, that, that first part of that verse. Oh, how great is thy goodness. God's goodness is and always has been great towards us, towards man. Hadn't, it, hadn't God been good to you? I mean... Sometimes in a Baptist church, it's hard to find an amen. It's hard to find a, a blessing. But if you just think about how, good, how God has been good to you, this is an attribute of who God is. Aren't you thankful you don't get what you deserve? Aren't you thankful that He doesn't have the attitude when your children disobeyed you that He had because He showed mercy and grace towards you? And I'm talking about adults. Sometimes we can... We can have an attitude, can't we? But God shows His mercy and grace and He's so good to us. And that's an attribute of God we really need to understand. I want you to look up one verse and then we'll be done. I want you to look up Isaiah 44, verse 8. Isaiah 44, verse 8. God's goodness is and always has been great toward men. Isaiah 44, verse 8. I want you to find that and then we'll wrap it up and I'll, and I'll fill in those blanks at the very end. Isaiah 44, 8 says this, Fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have not I told thee from that, that time, and have declared it? Ye are even my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. And I love that Isaiah wrote that because can you imagine if there was more than one God? When I was growing up, we had to read the Iliad, and what was the other one? Homer. Gomer or whatever, I don't know what it was. But we went, what, Odyssey and the Iliad. And when you watch that, you see all these different gods that have different attributes, amen? <laughs> I wasn't very good at that, okay? I like math, all right? Anyway, so I, I, when, I, when I read those, I was like, it really enamored me as a, as a teenager. Because you would see, okay, this guy could do this, or this guy could do that, or this guy. And they really portrayed them as gods. And I grew up back in the 80s. I, I graduated from high school in the 80s. So in the 70s, that's what we were learning about. And I can remember, I didn't like to read, but I like reading that book. Because we sometimes want to put God in a box. We can't put God in a box. No, He has perimeters, I understand, on certain things. He's not going to lie. He's not going to be untruthful. He's going to show mercy. He's going to show grace. And I'm so thankful that there's not two gods. And what's interesting about that verse 
is there's a lot of times that he'll refer to God, he'll refer to other guys as little g, but if you look at that verse, look at that verse one more time. Every time he's referring to another God, he's referring to a big G because there's no other big G, big G God, but there's a lot of small G gods. And we all have them in our life. Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's a television show. Maybe it's something that we, we like more than God. We, put God. we put it above something. But I want to tell you something. There's no big G God anywhere other than our God. And so let's look at some of these other words. I'm going to give you some words. Write them down. We're going to look at these next week. These are in retrospect to time and space. You probably know these. The first one is eternity. Fill that word in eternity, past and future. The next one is immensity. I'll spell that for you. I-M-M-E-N-S-I-T-Y. This is where I was referring to you can't put God in the universe. God is the universe and He's bigger than the universe. They all fit in Him and there's extra. Amen? Praise the Lord for that. Now these next one we've all heard of. Now I'll start with omni. I'm going to look at time and space next, next week. He's omnipresent. Aren't you thankful he's omnipresent? See, that's the big as aspect of between God and Satan. God can be everywhere at all places. Satan can't. I mean, he's with you. He, he, he walks with me when, when I go on my own. When Josh McCann goes to work tomorrow, he's with Josh. He's with me. He's everywhere. I mean, he, go, he goes with everybody. He goes with Daniel. He goes with Josh over here. He goes everywhere because he's all places. That's an attribute of God. Time and space. And then the next one is omniscient. I'm preaching at the pastor's meeting on Tuesday. I'm really going to talk about God being omniscient. And we're going to go over that, that verse where, where Jonah says he's fleeing from the presence of the Lord. That is the most ludicrous thing he could have said. Now you've got to understand who Jonah was. He was a judge. He, he was, he, he, not a judge, he was, he was a prophet. And so here he's a, a prophet for God, and he's saying, I'm going to run away from God. You can't run away from God. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He knows everything. And the other one, omnipotent. You better be thankful he's omnipotent. Because if not, the sun and the moon would have its day on us. He's all what? What's that word mean? Powerful. These are great attributes of God that we can learn a lot from. I hope you've enjoyed studying who He is. Because when we know a little bit more about Him, we realize how great He is. Right? And we realize this, and I'm not trying to make you feel little, but we realize how little we are. <laughs> we serve a great God. And He truly loves us. When's the last time you thanked Him for who He is? Thank Him for what He is. And thank you for His attributes. I, I'm thankful that He's truth. I'm thankful that He's holy. I'm thankful that He's love. And I am really thankful that He shows mercy and grace to me. Because all I am, Brother Brown, is a sinner, what? Saved by grace. That's what we are. 